0: We've been going through the book of Revelation, just um, uh, line by line, verse by verse. Uh, this is lesson fifteen, so it's been a while, and uh, so we're all the way up to Revelation six. Just to backtrack just a little bit, um, last couple of weeks we've looked at both Revelation chapter four and Revelation chapter five. And let me backtrack even before that and say that I just think it's really cool that that you know as we go into Unknown areas of life as the world changes and things happen that we're not expecting that, you know, uh, it seems as though we're blindsided, but we're clued in that the world is going to change. And I think the really cool thing is that Jesus... Gave us an indication of what the world is going to be like when he, when, he, when he talked to his disciples We're going to look at Matthew 24 tonight Along with Revelation chapter 6 His disciples ask him What is the world going to be like just before you come back What's it going to be like before the end of the age A lot of people today talk about the end of the world There's no such thing as the end of the world No, there's an end of, of an age And so Jesus told his disciples We'll look at it clearly in Matthew 24 um, the first part of that, particularly tonight. And then John on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he was an aged, old old apostle and, and was there with Jesus when he, uh, he met with the disciples for three and a half years and ministered and taught. And, and he saw him. And then he saw Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, he saw Jesus ascend into heaven. And then all these years later, um, uh, one of the Roman emperors was, uh, was severely persecuting believers. And um, and uh, uh, the Apostle John, uh, you know, bore the brunt of that was placed on the Isle of Patmos because of his ministry of the Word of God. There was severe persecution of believers as this going to be severe persecution of believers again before Jesus comes back. And, and God wants us to get ready for those things. Nonetheless, while he was on that island, uh, Jesus appeared to him and showed him what's going to be happening just before he comes back, the... the uh, word revelation, the Greek word apocalypsis really means an unveiling, and it's an unveiling of future things. So, you know, it's just really cool that God let us know what's going to be happening. And, and you know, you can, you can take this, and, and it's going to happen. And everything that Jesus says comes to pass. And that's the thing that I think is really cool. I could talk a lot, but let me just share a couple of things here. You know, um, because of their unbelief, uh, Israel was, was scattered the Diaspora, and they were scattered throughout the earth for almost 2,000 years. And it's the only nation in history that was completely disbanded, disbarred from their land. But God made promises. There are over, oh my goodness, over 15, 20 verses that I can think of right now in the Old Testament where God promised that Israel, just before the Messiah returns, would come back from all of the nations of the earth, come back to the land that God uh, promised their forefather Abraham, and they would come and inhabit that land, and once again would become a nation again. Y'all, that happened in 1948, 1967. I mean, y'all, these these are amazing things that have happened, and we little we give them little regard. It's a big deal. 1967 for the first time uh, since they left that land in AD 70. Uh, it's for the first time, the Jews regained control of Jerusalem. That, that, that's that's a miracle. And then, you know, just a couple of years ago, uh, the uh, U.S. embassy uh, in Israel was moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, that's a miracle. It's a setup. So what's what's going to be happening in the future? So I said those few things. Uh, it, it just lets us know, you know, somebody said Israel is God's time clock on the earth. You want to see when Jesus is coming back? <coughs> just check out what's happening with Israel. It's like God had, somebody said it this way, it's like God had a time clock in his, a, a little stopwatch in his in his hand. And he dealt with the nation of Israel during the Old Testament. And then when they, and then when when Jesus, and, and then there was silent years, and then John the Baptist came, and, and then Jesus came, and they completely rejected Jesus. Well, when Jesus came, the stopwatch that was in God's hand where he was dealing with Israel, clicked. it stopped. We'll talk about it in a minute. And it stopped with seven years left to be fulfilled as far as what God has said in his word. We'll look at that tonight, so... There are indications that he's about to click that stopwatch again, start dealing with Israel again. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So, so my encouragement to me and you, get ready for Jesus to come back. And if I can just talk from my heart a minute, I can tell you that just the last few weeks of not seeing, I've been probably busy as I ever am. I feel that way. Uh, but, you know, just being by myself when I'm alone God's just dealing with me, with me about me. And, and I want to say this again. I'm, I'm finding out that, that I'm not as disconnected as I need to be from, from the things around me. Not distant connected from people of ministry, but disconnected from things. Things I, things I own, things I like, patterns I like to like in my life. God wants you disconnected from everything. Paul said it this way I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So that's what he's doing in me, and I encourage you. It really is a day of preparation. And uh, if anything, we've learned from, you know, this, uh, this lockdown thing with the, with the coronavirus is that uh, things can happen so rapidly and so quickly. So, so it really is a day to be ready. It's a day to be prepared. It's not a day to fly by the seat of your britches, I can tell you that. And uh, so I think we've all kind of gotten a wake-up call, hadn't we? I mean, when you go to the grocery store, you can't even buy toilet paper. Hello. Something's going on. So anyway... Um Great news, so I want to get back to Revelation chapter six here again. Book of Revelation is all about God cleansing the earth of all of the sin elements that came with the fall of Adam and Eve. A curse was placed on the earth. Satan became the God of this age and, and the Book of Revelation is where God just simply just simply cleanses the earth of all the negative elements, elements beginning with Satan, all of the fallen angels, the demon spirits that are here, and then the malevolent, wicked personalities. Uh, human personalities that refuse to bow their knee to the lordship of jesus and are actually working in league with satan all of those elements will be eventually removed from the earth and revelation the book of revelation is the process of how that happens it shows jesus coming back it shows the new heavens and the new earth and we go into eternity with god there's a lot of illumination that we have here and it really gives you a pattern uh, of how of how things work out so let me get right into this and 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 put a disclaimer on it. You may not agree with the way I see this, and that's perfectly fine with me. And uh, you know, but I've studied this a long time, and um, for years I've uh, been in ministry since 1981. I really started studying on end time things in 1985, 2010. A huge change came in my life and some things I had taught for 25 years I could no longer teach. And so I'll share some of that tonight. So again, uh, just give me the privilege of sharing what God has, I believe God has showed me. And if you disagree with me, I just graciously give you that opportunity to do so. But I ask you to do this. Have the spirit of the Berean. Search your Bible. Search the scriptures to see if these things be so. The Brians in the Book of Acts did that and do that. Uh, if I say something that you haven't heard or it's new to you, don't just say "I don't believe that." We'll find it in the Scripture. What do you believe? What have you based that on in the Word? And then, and then, what have I shared? Go to the Scriptures and ask God to speak to you. Uh, he did that for me, and I really had quite an awakening about Jesus return, way back in two thousand and ten, I had months and months of weeping, crying as God just went over the scriptures with me that I thought I knew well, and, and it was new illumination for me. Uh, God never changes, the word doesn 't change, but our understanding of it is constantly. Is constantly changing, and he really did something. So let's get right back to this. Revelation 4 a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Revelation 4. Revelation 4 shows, shows God as the, uh, the, the, the creator, owner, and sustainer of all things. And there he is seated on his throne with the living creatures and the angels around him and and, and what looked like a a sea of glass in front of him. And they're worshiping and praising him. Revelation chapter 4 really sets up the book of Revelation to understand the rest of the book. And that is that God is the sovereign one that oversees all. And that's what you get out of the book of Revelation chapter 4. Then chapter 5, John continues to look into heaven. And he sees something that he didn't notice. And maybe it was there, but he didn't mention it in Revelation 4. Revelation 5, we looked at it last week. There was a scroll in God's right hand. God, again, John looked up into heaven. The heavens open. He had a spiritual vision. He saw heaven. He saw the throne of God. He saw the rainbow of colors around the throne of God. He saw the living creatures around God's throne, the angelic type beings with different kinds of faces. He saw 24 elders. And then in Revelation 5 1, he saw a scroll in God's right hand. And he noticed this scroll had seven seals on it. And then he noticed that the scroll was written on front and back. And we mentioned all of this in great detail. God's right hand stands for God's authority it it is also god's salvation his right arm of salvation so that right hand speaks of a lot of things in the in the bible so john saw that scroll in his right hand and he knew that that scroll had to be opened that scroll i mentioned last week is god's ownership of planet earth that is it's his title deed and when that scroll is opened the rest and the contents is read then the rest of the book of revelation comes to pass that's what's written in that scroll. I submit that to you. We mentioned it in fair detail last week. But no one was found worthy in heaven to open the scroll. First century, we mentioned that last week. Uh, a scroll, uh, the importance of the scroll was noted by uh, how, many, how many seals were on the scroll. Uh, sc- uh, simple scrolls that were important, but not necessarily, no need for necessary Extra security had one or two seals. This one had seven. That's extremely rare in the first century. And that's noting to us that this scroll, whatever it had in it, was really important. First century, a scroll could only be opened by the person that it was sent to. A person that opened a scroll in the first century that had seals on it, they they had to be able to open it and then carry out the contents written inside the scroll. And there in Revelation 5, no one in heaven, no one in the universe was found worthy to open that scroll. And, and John was lamenting that fact. And then and, and then he looked again and, and he looked back up into heaven and he saw a lamb. Right there before the throne of God. A lamb that had been slain. The blood was still on his white wall. And he was standing. And we talked about that last week. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus came first as a lamb of sacrifice to To remove our sins from us and be the sin sacrifice from us. But Jesus is coming back the second time as the lion of the tribe of Judah. We talked about that last week. So Jesus, when he grabbed the scroll from God's right hand, all of heaven, the universe worshipped the creator, the owner, sustainer of all things. And Revelation 5 ended with great worship in heaven. Because finally the purpose and plan of God... For the ages, for the earth can come back to to can come to pass, and the, the glory the earth had before the sin elements, <coughs> excuse me, were introduced when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, That's going to be removed, and and all of the angels in heaven, the twenty four elders, and uh, all of the myriads of uh, holy ones in heaven, at the end of Revelation five worship, because now finally. God's plans can be fulfilled on the planet. Then Jesus goes right to task since he's the only one in the universe that can open that scroll and fulfill its contents. He goes right to work. So let's get right to um, Revelation 6. Now let me say this, this is an uncanny parallel as we get into this between Revelation 6. And, and matthew twenty four where Jesus talked to the disciples about what the earth would look like just before he came back there 's a really, really uncanny parallel so what i 'm going to do is i 'm going to read the text in revelation, and then we 're going to go back to matthew twenty four and look at the parallel text and it 's in the notes and you'll you 'll see it there so let 's start with Revelation chapter six verse one. And to it again, I have New Living Translation bolded, but I'm going to re- only read the New King James Version. Uh, New Living Translation may g- bring some clarity to some of the phrases that may be obscured in our 21st century world. Nonetheless, I think it's fairly understandable. New King James, Revelation 6, verses 1 and 2. Now I, now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a, with a voice like thunder, come and see. So Jesus has the scroll in his hand, and he begins to break open that first seal, and I look and see when he opens this seal and it's, you know it must be like a little video thing. <laughs> he, he looks and he sees what's happening when, the scroll, when when the seal is broken. I looked, and behold a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to it, and he went out conquering and to conquer Now I, I l- listen you've got to know something about God. God has given us the ability to think, to reason, and also he has given us the gift of imagination. <clears throat> that is, when when you hear and read things, you, you create a mental image in your mind. I could say a uh, tree, a uh, fire truck, a uh, horse, a uh, cow, grass, ocean. When I just said all those words, you just created mental images. Uh, if I said the waves on the beach, you just got a vision, didn't you see? Uh, so so that's what happened with John. And, and I want to encourage you, don't discount that in your own life as you're praying, seeking the Lord. Here's what I found out. As you get your mind renewed with the word, often while you're praying the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will show us things to come. Sometimes he just gives us a little image. And often I'm praying and I you know, just have an image of something. Often, and I mentioned this Sunday, when I pray and I, I see someone, I, I see their visage, I see their face. And I know God wants me to pray for them. And then sometimes when I'm praying, a word of knowledge comes and I know something about them. So it's not unusual for this to happen here. John, as he breaks, as Jesus breaks the seals, Jesus shows John in, in vision form, imagery, and he sees what's happening. So he says, I look, behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering <clears throat> and and to conquer, uh, the New Living says. I looked up and saw a white horse. <laughs> excuse me, a white horse standing there. <clears throat> its rider carried a bow, <clears throat> and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles, gained the victory. So that's a there's a really clear parallel. So there, there's a there's a conqueror on a white horse. It's got a crown on his head. I submit to you before we go any further. That's Antichrist. Some people think that's Jesus, but if you look in the Scriptures, the New Testament where it talks about Jesus wearing a crown, the Greek word for crown here is not the crown that that is the Greek word for what Jesus wore. For instance, in Revelation 19, it's in the notes. I'm not taking time to read. Some people think this is Jesus. I, I I believe this is the Antichrist revealing himself. And he's going out as a conqueror. And so it says here, And if, then, now let's look at Matthew 24. Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, was with his disciples. And it says in verse 1, he went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him, showed him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, don't you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one, one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And this was, uh, re- this was fulfilled years later, decades later in A.D. 70 under the Roman Emperor Titus. They uh, conquered Jerusalem and they knocked that temple down. And the uncanny thing is when Jesus said that, it looked impossible for it to happen. The, 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 the temple, the Herodian temple that was there, it took decades for that temple to be built. And it was ornate in every way. Uh, the 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 temple of Solomon was ornate, but this temple, I mean, it really said something. It was a it was a beautiful, gorgeous place, and those those uh, and those those uh, stones, they weighed so many tons. It's imp- hardly impossible to move them, and Jesus said there won't even be one left on top of the other. That literally happened. They were inlaid with gold, and when the Roman authorities came. And they conquered Jerusalem. They wanted the gold off those stones. And they found a way to move those stones. They, they set the temple on fire. And the heat from the fire melted the gold. It went down, 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 down in between the stones. They moved them. everyone out of the way to get the gold. What Jesus said was fulfilled. So when you read the Bible and say, how can God do? How's that going to work out? You don't always know, but God will find a way to make it work. So when we read the things in the book of Revelation, you can pretty much take things that face value unless it's obvious that it was an allegory or a metaphor. It's obvious if that is true. Otherwise, you interpret the Bible literally wherever possible. Let me pause right here and say this. There is a, there is a, a certain element, of, uh, and this was introduced the first few centuries of the church age, one of the early church fathers uh, had a belief system that you interpret most all of the Bible metaphorically and allegorically, but not literally. And friends, when you, do, when you do that, and there's an element of our Christian culture, particularly in the West today, they live they live like a lot of, a lot of the rest of their culture does because they don't take the Bible literally. God wants us to, to believe his word, act on his word. God's word is precious to him. And it's meant to be interpreted specifically and literally whenever possible. You get that? So anyway, when I read this, what Jesus said here to them, not one stone will be left here upon another. It literally happened. Wow. So what Jesus said and what God says there in the book of Revelation, take it to the bank. Uh, so again, verse 3, Now as they sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, This is Matthew 24, 4 and 5. It corresponds exactly with Revelation 6, 1 and 2. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Now, I did some studying on this. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. Um one person that I've read after a Bible expositor it made me think a lot. He said this is talking about the anointing. There are a lot of people coming and they will say in the end times, I have a plan to set you free and help you in this area of life, this area of life, this area of life, you can be helped. And it is as though to say you don't need God. You don't need Jesus. You do what I say and you'll be all right. Friends, that's everywhere today. Have you noticed? So there's one element of that that's quite uncanny. Nonetheless, there is a malevolent figure called Antichrist, the man of sin, the lawless one. The Bible has several names to describe this person that the Bible says will arise just before Jesus comes back and will dominate uh, a portion uh, and maybe perhaps even the whole world for a a, a, a frame or a period of time before Jesus returns. So the Bible calls him Antichrist. So in Revelation six one, here was, the, here was the rider on the white horse. That's Antichrist. Jesus said here, many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will deceive many. The first thing he told his disciples is don't be deceived. And my friends, I could, I could spend the rest of tonight talking about this. There is so much deception today. If all you do is listen to media all day long and read your Bible just a little tiny bit, you are probably deceived. Now, that's strong word, but I believe it's a true word. Friends, we need to know God and listen to the Spirit of God. It can get real confusing right now. My encouragement, turn the media off, turn your Bible up. And pray and seek God and make sure there's more word than world in my mind, in your mind. Got it? So again, the breaking of this first seal on the scroll brings this rider on the white horse, represents false Christs. And the rider depicts a warrior, it's in my notes here, as he's carrying a bow, wearing a crown. It's none other than the Antichrist. He's everything opposite of Jesus everything opposite so again the breaking of this first seal sets in motion uh, what we call Daniel's 70th week now the first when I began this teaching I took a week and we went to Daniel chapter 9 and we looked in clear detail at the verses there where God revealed to Daniel uh, some things about God's future dealings with Israel and Daniel nine twenty seven particularly now look at this And it's in the notes, and this is New Living Translation. It says, the ruler, and this is speaking about the Antichrist. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, that is three and a half, three and a half years, I'll show you how we know that in a minute. He will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds... He will set up a cat sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So again, just to backtrack quickly, Daniel 9 reveals 490 years of God's dealings with the nation of Israel. For the previous 490 years, and this is during Daniel's day, they were in Babylonian captivity. Previous 490 years of Israel's existence... They did not obey God. God told them to let the land rest every 7 years. In uh, Jeremiah 36, I think it's verse 25, Jeremiah said, "Israel, because you've disobeyed God, you've worshiped false gods and you've not allowed the land to rest, then God's going to take you off the land one year for every year that the uh, that the the land didn't enjoy its sabbath rest of one year." And 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 they missed 70 land rest Sabbaths of every seventh year. So 490 years they missed. They they missed it. 70 times 7 is 490 years of Israel's history in the past. They missed 70 of those. So they were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years because that land's going to rest. How many know God's going to do what he says? So it's a, it's a really uncanny thing. And so uh, from the time that Israel came back from Babylonian captivity... You know, right after Daniel's day um, and, and, the, and the temple and, and, and the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt until the time that Jesus appeared was 483 uh, years of Jewish history. God showed Daniel 70 sets of seven. That is 70 sets of seven years. That's 490 years. So 490 years of, 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 of um, Israel's past Put him in the Babylonian captivity for seven years, 70 years. And, and then God said to Daniel during that time, let me show you the next period of time, 490 years into the future. 483 of that are fulfilled. Seven aren't. So God stopped his stop clock. Seven years are left to be fulfilled. The church age is during that time. And so, God's been dealing with us, and dispensationalists call it, call it the dispensation of the grace of God, where Jesus is resurrected from, from the dead. And now, anybody can partake of the grace of God by calling on the name of Jesus and being born again and passing from spiritual death to spiritual life. We're privileged to live in this era of time. The Old Testament prophets desired to live in this time period, but didn't. But we do. And now, this time period is coming to a conclusion, and and God's clicked that time clock again. So here, the Antichrist, it says, this ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. That is, for seven years. But after half this time, what's half of seven? Three and a half. He will put an end to sacrifices and offerings. Now, what does that tell us? The Jewish temple is going to be rebuilt at some point. And in the studies I've done, they're ready to build one. It's not going to be like the Solomonic temple, Solomon's temple, the Herodian temple, Herod built for the Jews. It'll be a simplistic, probably put up in a matter of weeks or months, very, very short time span. Because the Jews that don't believe in Jesus, they want to go back there and practice their their, uh, Jewish religion and sacrifice animals. And God's going to let them do it. And so the Antichrist, this person, this person that is mentioned here, he's going to allow them to do that as well. And it says here, after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he'll set up a sacrilegious object that causes de- desecration. We'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, during this seven-year period, three and a half years into it, he desecrates the rebuilt Jewish temple and then and then some terrible things occur so i uh, just wanted to you know let you see that as at the beginning that when the antichrist when that first that first seal is broken the antichrist reveals himself the rider on the white horse that is who that is now <clears throat> i had a belief system for really most of my life and i was taught it from the time i was a little boy that the rapture of the church would occur right at the beginning of the seven year time period that God dealt with the, the Jews, started dealing with the Jews again, when the Antichrist signed some kind of a peace agreement with Israel. We don't know what that is or what it looks like. Uh, you can say a lot, but you really, really just don't know. But I had a belief system that when that happened, <clears throat> the, the church would be whisked away from here. And and I always I was always taught and I taught it myself that the rapture would occur somewhere we right around that time. We wouldn't even be here during those seven years. And the and the rationale for that was First Thessalonians five nine. I mentioned it I think last week and, and uh, subsequent weeks. First Thessalonians five nine. Romans five nine. God's not a, appointed us to wrath, but to obtain His mercy and because the tribulation. Daniel's 70th week is often called the tribulation. You won't find that in scripture anywhere where that seven-year time period is called the tribulation. It's not there. It shocked me when I I did my study and it's not there. The great tribulation is there, but that's three and a half years into it. No, it's Daniel's 70th week. But nonetheless, uh, I had a uh, belief system like many Americans do the, uh, the, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, right when that first seal somewhere around there, the rapture occurs. Show me that in Scripture. I've not been able to find it. I, I've not been able to find it. Uh, and, and people say that because they think the whole period of seven years is God's, is God's wrath. That first part of that's not God's wrath. First part of that's Antichrist. And it's the wrath of man. It's the wrath of Antichrist where he comes and does things. We're going to read about it in just a minute. The latter part of that time period, yeah, that's the wrath of God. It's called the day of the Lord. We won't be here for that. But there's nothing in Scripture that says that we're immune from the wrath of man or persecution. We are going to be persecuted. It's all through the, Bible, all through the New Testament. God encourages us to be patient in persecution. Be the salt. Be the light. Be ready. Be prepared. Uh, don't, 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 don't let it trip you up when people treat you in unkind ways and do really bad things to you because of my name. Jesus said they did it to me. They'll do it to you. And so the first part of that time period, it's not the wrath of God, it's the wrath of man. The last part, the wrath of God, we're immune. First part, the Antichrist appears, he gets mean pretty quickly. So we're not immune to that. So again, I have this belief system, the rapture would whisk us away. So now here's what I believe. And you may disagree with me, and and I know you may have been taught differently, but here's what I've seen from Scripture. What I've seen from Scripture is we will see the revelation of the Antichrist. Now, you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, well you know, I really hope you're right. <laughs> I do. I promise. But if you're not right, keep listening. Because you'll want to hear what i got to say. Okay? So, nonetheless, uh, once that peace treaty signed, that seven-year period begins... And the Bible Jesus said clearly what's going to be happening there. So again, the first seal opened, begins the reign of the Antichrist. He'll be a politi- political leader. is in the notes here. Hailed as finally bringing peace to the Middle East by bringing uh, Israel into a peace agreement with his hostile Arab neighbors. And uh, it may or may not revolve around the creation of a Palestinian state. Let me tell you what's uncanny right now. What's uncanny right now is, is uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has just been elected uh, as President of israel and as 's been a prime minister and it 's been a big deal for a whole year he didn 't have enough people to form his his conservative government. he wanted to, and they 've been up in our arms about it for a whole year and they 've just about settled it right on the heels and, and so it 's just about settled he 'll be able to form the government he wants to form in Israel at the same time. The current administration in the united states they 're pushing for a peace plan between the Palestinians. And the Israelis, they're pushing hard for a Palestinian state, y'all. It's uncanny that the whole world has shut down, and all of this is just about to occur. It's it's uncanny, y'all. And uh, so, so what can we take? Um, what can we take from this? Uh, uh, a number of things. It shows you how quickly the world can change, and how quickly how quickly politics can change. How quickly things that you think are common become uncommon. So it's, it's within the realm of reason that the Antichrist can come and do what he wants to do. And so uh, I don't know about you, but it's made me, wow, it's made me think we really could be getting close to the time that this peace treaty signs. So I have a lot to say about that. We'll talk about it in later later lessons when we talk more about uh, about the Antichrist. But uh, just, just know this, uh, this person... Uh, will probably be from the Middle East. I think it's unwise to to say who you think it is because the moment you do, that person probably died. You just don't know who it is. But, uh, you know, we know generally where the person's coming from. It's not my lesson tonight to get into that. But uh, just know this, if the Bible says this person will arise, he will Jesus broke that first seal. Here he is. Let's go to verses 3 and 4, Revelation 6. When he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature saying, Come and see. And then he looked up in vision for him and he saw it. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword and so this reveals very clearly it's going to be a time of war. He comes as a, as a man of peace, but in his heart is war. So we want to be careful listening to anybody that's got butter on their words. It sounds so nice. That's why we need to be listening intently. Whoever you're relating to, whoever you're listening to, on whatever list, uh, level, listen, engage, but listen to your heart Listen to your inward person where the Holy Spirit is as well because he wants to reveal truth to us. Nonetheless, this person comes as a man of peace, but Revelation 6, 3, and 4, he is a man of war. Then Matthew 24 is the parallel verse to uh, Revelation 6, 3, and 4. Matthew uh, 24, 6, and then the first part of 7, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yes for na- uh, yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The word for kingdom there 's the great word ethnos we get our our, our word uh, ethnicity from that word ethnic groups quarrelling, fighting, engaging in conflict. It's been happening for a long time, but Jesus said when he, just before he comes back, it will increase in its intensity. Now, you've got to understand, let me say this again, because we live in America. America is the largest economy, largest nation in the world. Uh, not necessarily the most people, but we're the wealthiest, wealthiest nation, and we have a lot of say of, as to what goes on worldwide. We read the Bible, and we think it's talking about us. The Bible is an Eastern book. Um, I like to say uh, that the Bible is uh, Israel-centric. Israel's in the center. The Bible is uh, Jerusalem-centric. When you're talking about Bible prophecy, book of Revelation, it's not talking about the United States, talking about Israel. So, so we interpret it with a Western mind. We've got to lay our Western mind down. And that's how people get into such confusion Reading these some of these the book of Revelation, particularly because they're trying to read it with their Western mind uh, kicked on here, so again, the breaking of this second seal reveals a rider on a red horse which depicts war coming to the earth. This peace treaty uh, will be will uh, even though there's a peace treaty, war breaks out now here's the deal it may be contained in the Middle East or uh, it may spread to other continents and um, you know, with the interconnectedness, and that's in the notes too, with of the twenty first century world, with our economies and with trade and and this and that and, and travel and such. Uh, it, it's it's not it's within the realm of reason to think that what what uh, what the Antichrist does in the Middle East to some degree affects other nations on other continents and it could easily affect us i mean this coronavirus thing shows you very clearly how quickly things can change and how interconnected the world is i mean y'all it's uncanny it's made me really it's really made me think about what the bible says about these things so and to some degree you may say well that's happening over there in the middle east and will affect us in america be careful because it could so uh, uh here's the thought i just I just listened to something today. you know uh I think they had the lowest the, the lowest valuation of the oil market in the history of the world. I think I heard that yesterday oil oil was trading in futures minus forty dollars a barrel. y'all, that is, they're paying somebody forty dollars to take a barrel of oil. And you know what I found out? Uh, it costs anybody that produces oil costs them about thirty dollars to to get a barrel out the ground. But then it costs, listen to this uh, it costs them um, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per one thousand barrels uh, to to store it somewhere. I just I just I just found that out last night. Just doing some research, and, and then I found out since this coronavirus and the airplanes have stopped and. You know, the cars have stopped. Smog is disappearing in big cities, you know. Air's cleaning up. Uh, but the oil keeps pumping out the ground. And now these ore producers literally have nowhere to put. They're running out of reserve space, places to put it. Something's got to happen. And y'all, listen to the, That could be a huge, it could actually create war. In, in the Middle East, these countries, their main revenue is oil. They're not liking this. So I'm just telling you, things are extremely unstable. And so First Thessalonians 5 says, when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction. So I'm just trying to tell you that when we read about these seals being open, you may think it's way in the future. Not necessarily so. And I'm not saying anything with coronavirus has anything to do with Revelation 6. I'm just saying this, uh, what we're seeing today is a pattern I keep saying it's a dry run that things could literally happen very, very rapidly. And because of oil, the whole world's interconnected, y'all. So could these things affect us here in America? The answer is yes. It's according to what our leadership does. That's why you need to pray. Whether you like him or not, that is not an issue. And if it's an issue, then we need to repent. Whether you like the president or not, pray for him. How many hear me? Pray for him. He needs prayer. I don't care who it is. There's lots of presidents I haven't liked and it didn't make any difference to me. I prayed for them nonetheless because God said do it. And friends, if we don't pray right, we could get into some serious conflict with the rest of the world. Revelation 6, 5 and 6, look at this. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand and I heard a voice in the midst of the four Living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So a New Living Translation gives some real light to that. I heard a voice from among the four living beings, a loaf of wheat, bread, and three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. That's what a denarius was. Don't waste the oil, don't waste the wine. The parallel to that in Matthew 24, verse 7, latter part, and there will be Famine. So again, Jesus breaks the third seal. Rider on the black horse appears, and then famine and inflation due to scarcity of food. Now, oil and grapes, olive oil and grapes. Those are staple goods in the Middle East, and they're and they're it's a common commodity. Everybody uses, everybody has. And uh, has and uses and so these verses reveal that those things that people are, you know, are known uh, that are known to us as staple goods they'll be available but they'll they'll be uh, uh, much more expensive because of inflation and uh, so again um, I mean just just think about what's going on right now we, we just borrowed um, several trillion dollars and they're, they're doing it again they want to do it again I've heard between four and six trillion. That's more money than you can ever, 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 ever pay back. Uh, the end result of that is going to be, hear me out, uh, catastrophic inflation, like perhaps we've never seen. I'm the things I'm listening to. They're saying that <clears throat> this thing is so serious we're in right now that once we climb out of this coronavirus lockdown, uh, that eventually the <clears throat> the uh, the um, the world could be interconnected monetarily instead of having cash currency because you got the little virus germs that could be carried around on cash. Well, go to digital currency, have a new currency, and that the United States, because of their debt, could acquiesce to that, and it just kind of wipes out all of the debt we've got because you got something new going on. See, there's more than meets the eye to what's going on here, y'all, and uh, and again. I'm not saying that coronavirus has anything to do with Jesus coming back, but I do think it's like a dry run and it's telling us, get ready for the real thing to come. That's what I'm feeling. Revelation 6, 7, and 8. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them. That pale horse is a green horse. Was given over the fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. And so, again, this pale green horse, um, death comes over one fourth of the earth. Parallel there is Matthew 24, the latter part of verse 7, and then verse 8. Pestilence, as Jesus said, would come, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. So we call this the first few years of this seven-year period that Daniel talked about, birth pains. The Antichrist is here. War is here. Uh, food shortages come because of war. And now pestilence comes. Uh, break, the breaking out of, of infectious disease comes as well as earthquakes in various places here because of, uh, because of the war um, sepsis from dead bodies spreads disease and you know um, notice that this scripture says here that that the antichrist was given power over a fourth of the people of the earth it didn't say they died just given power over them and um, to to kill with a sword famine disease wild animals and for a fourth event, it could just be the Middle East, uh, but uh, its effects could be known even further than that. And then I'm going to stop tonight with the fifth seal and come back next week and, and look at the sixth, because uh, because there's a parenthesis between uh, Revelation 6, 12 through 17, and then, and then Revelation 8, that parenthesis of Revelation 7. We'll be able to talk about the rapture of the church, because that's what that Sixth seal indicates. It's going to be really interesting. And I want to make sure we give plenty of time to talk about it. So don't miss this when we talk about this again. It's going to be really, really interesting. But look at the fifth seal. And we'll end with this tonight. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice, that is, the souls of those who had perished cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. So again, the parallel verses to that are Matthew 24, verse 9. Then they will deliver you up To tribulation, the uh, Greek word there is flipsis, which means intense pressure. It's not talking about the tribulation, it's talking about a period of hard time uh, and kill you, and you'll be hated of all by all nations for my name's sake. I want to submit that beginning with verse 9 going all the way through to verse 28 Matthew 24 that's what Jesus termed the great tribulation. Those first few years there the antichrist comes to power. He says he's a man of peace, but really a man of war and then there's a there's a, you know there's there's famines and as a result so scarcity of food uh, the, the normal commodities necessary for life are available, but at a huge, huge price. And then there's war. And then, uh, on top of that, with the opening of the fifth seal, serious and severe persecution of both Christians and Jews, and unparalleled—it's unparalleled, it's unparalleled uh, of any time from for any time in history. So, so the fifth seal again reveals martyrs that die for their faithfulness to Jesus and His Word. And uh, let me just say that the Antichrist spirit is already loose on the earth. We have, um, I think we have a prideful attitude in the West and America. We think we're above being persecuted. I need to pause and you need to hear me. We think because we live in the freest nation on earth... A nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles because we have the Constitution and Bill of Rights, then we're afforded privileges. And, you know, we are privileged to live in the freest nation on earth. People are begging to come and live here. But my friend, that does not mean that we are immune from persecution. But we have, a, we have an anti-persecution complex almost in America because we are so free. And and I think that's one thing that's given birth to the idea that the rapture has to occur before these seven years start because God certainly wouldn't allow us to be persecuted or die for our faith. Can I ask you a question? Are there Christians in Africa? Are there Christians in northern Africa where Islam rules uh, with a heavy hand? Are there Christians in the Middle Eastern nations? The Asian nations where communism holds a heavy hand. And are they, are they persecuted seriously for their faith today? The answer is yes. Question, are they true believers? Uh, yes. What does that tell you? The spirit of Antichrist is already here. And I think it's the height of arrogance. I wept over this, y'all. I mean, this made me weep. And I had to say, God, I repent of my pride. It's the height of arrogance to say, well, the rapture's going to whisk me away before the Antichrist comes because certainly God wouldn't allow me to be persecuted for my faith, much less give my life. What about your brothers and sisters in other lands who know that one day they're going to have their throat cut and they refuse to recant the name Jesus? They refuse to back up. I've been praying for years, at least five years now, in my prayer times. And it shot me the first time it happened. I was praying in the Spirit, and I, and I started praying, Lord, I pray for those that you give martyr faith. Oh, I never prayed that before. Martyr faith. That is a person willing to stare faith, death in the face and look at the person about to kill them and say, I want you to know one thing. Jesus Christ gave his life to set you free from sin. Don't die without knowing him, slit. Now, it takes grace. It takes supernatural grace of God to do that. And there are people all over the world that experience that. But in America, for some reason, we just have this ideology that we're just so far above. That is the height of arrogance, y'all. We're in a free nation, and we don't want that to happen here. But to think that the rapture's got to whisk us away, come on, come on. I wept, I wept deeply when <laughs> I saw that and I said, God, and it was hard to say, God, if um," and I had to ask, say, God, am I, am I willing to give my life for you? I answer this question, can you give up a, give up your lunch, your breakfast, your dinner, Something you own? If I can't give that up, how would I give my life? Y'all, that tore me up. And so God's been dealing with me about those kinds of things. Am I willing to give it all? It has to do with consecration. And I think God's speaking to the American church right now. In the middle of all of our stuff here, time for consecration it's time to dedicate yourself to him live or die I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live. I'm willing to die if necessary for his name that's offensive for me to say that to some people it's not offensive to God I think God has a special place in heaven For those that love him to the death. I think they'll always be known in heaven for the marks they bear in their bodies. Out of the love for him. Do you love him that much? Do I? I feel the Spirit of God right now. See, it's changed. He's asking us for deeper consecration, y'all. Are you willing to die for it? Wow. Something to think about, isn't it? You willing to give up your rights for it? There's a portion of me that, I mean, it's like a bucking bronco. No, No, I got rights. And he wants me to go. So look at verse 10, Matthew 24. Many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up, deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, and that will be the reign of the Antichrist, anything goes. Amorality will be the name of the game. Uh, any kind of sex with anything, whatever. No morality. Truth, truth's a byword situational truth if it gets you what you want say this or that or the other but not what the bible says no lie no no it's lawlessness because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold talking about believers there but he who endures to the end shall be saved i want to go back the holy spirit just tagged me many will be offended will betray one another hate one another Be careful that you don't get so accustomed to this world system that when it turns one way, you turn with it to the demise of your relationship with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Jesus said would happen. People would deny their friends. People would separate themselves from other people's company because the culture is going this way and they're not going that way and deception is taking hold. That's what he's bringing out right there. But he says, verse 13 again, he who endures to the end shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. The gospel would be preached during these these years of this Daniel 70th week, these first few years when the Antichrist comes in as a man of peace, and then war breaks out, and, and pestilence, and, and famine, and And earthquakes and all this stuff. Then it says, look at this, look at this, look at this. Three and a half years into this agreement, remember I said that? Then the Antichrist does something, does the unthinkable. It's happened. It's happened one time in history. It's gonna happen the second time. Look at this. Matthew twenty-four, fifteen, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads let him understand. Now he goes right back to Daniel 9, 27. Listen to it again. Here's a new international version. He'll confirm a covenant with many from one seven. In the middle of the seven years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. The Jews will be back in their rebuilt temple. They'll be sacrificing. They'll be all happy. No, they're not believers because they didn't believe Jesus was Messiah, but God lets them come back to the rebuilt jewish temple and offer their sacrifices that's how much god loves them he lets them do what they want to do even though they're blinded to who jesus is and it says during that time the antichrist comes and it says he'll put up set up an abomination that causes well i'm sorry let me back up here on a wing of the temple he'll set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him then this is mentioned a couple of other times in scripture listen to daniel eleven thirty one, speaking of the antichrist his armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice they will set up the abomination that causes desolation there it is again and then second thessalonians chapter 2 listen to verses 3 and 4 let one no, no one deceive you by any means that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. What in the world is he talking about? Antiochus Epiphanes. It's in the notes. December sixteenth, one sixty seven BC, went into the Jewish temple, and and how I many you know? Jews don't eat pork he brought a pig into the temple slew him and then, and, then, and, then, and then set up a statue of Zeus and then later he put his own head on the top and he was worshipped and he said I'm God I'll be your God and he desecrated their temple they never forgot that and Jesus said that happened in history 167 B.C antiochus epiphany it's going to happen during the antichrist rule he's going to turn coat on israel and then when that happens three and a half years into the seven year period y'all it'll be an intense time of great persecution i'm going to stop with that and let you go ahead and read verses 16 through 28 in matthew 24 it'll be an intense time jews will be persecuted much like they were even worse than the holocaust ever was And then Christians themselves, particularly in the Middle East, and we don't know how far it'll spread worldwide. They too may lay down their lives as martyrs because of the reign of this man, the Bible calls, Antichrist. And this is what Jesus termed the great tribulation. In fact, verse 21, for then will be great tribulation. Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be unless those days were shortened no flesh no elect no saved flesh would be saved but for the elect's sake those days will be shortened and so it's an intense time it's during that seven year period if we're here it's according to where you live in the world as to how much that affects you But God wants us to consecrate ourselves now before the worst comes Jesus comes back The rapture of the church occurs. When we start back next time, we'll pick up that sixth seal. Some uncanny things, perhaps unparalleled in the history of the world, will occur to let us know that God's just about getting ready to snatch us out of here before Jesus comes back and before the worst occurs, the rapture occurs. And we are lifted up. There are those that believe that the rapture could happen at any time, that there is nothing in the Bible that has to happen for the rapture to occur. I preached that for 25 years. And we'll come back next time. And you know what you'll find out? There's some things that have to happen before the rapture occurs. It's not going to happen today or tomorrow, but it's going to happen. You can know the season. You won't know the day, but you can know the season. And God has given us an uncanny uh, just an uncanny sign that the rapture is about to occur. When we come back next time, we'll talk about that.